PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. Welcome to this PTJ podcast. PTJ is the official publication of the American Physical Therapy Association. PTJ disseminates basic and applied science related to physical therapy, contributes evidence to guide clinical decision-making, and publishes scholarly perspectives from around the world. And now, your host, Donovan Stutel. Welcome to PTJ's Audio Abstracts for Volume 89, March 2009. This month's research reports focus on Predicting Productivity and Scholarship, Guideline Adherence, and Decision-Making for Balance Assessment. This month's case reports focus on Non-Musculoskeletal Hip Pain Screening and Inspiratory Muscle Performance and Suspected Statin-Induced Myopathy. This issue also features two perspectives on Movement Variability and the Use of Nonlinear Tools and Assessment in Oncology Rehabilitation. This issue also contains an editorial by Dr. James Cole Galloway, available exclusively online. For Dr. Galloway's editorial, as well as clinical summaries, invited commentaries, and e-letters to the editor, visit www.ptjournal.org. First this month, career factors help predict productivity and scholarship among faculty members in physical therapist education programs by Dr. Regina Kaufman. This abstract is presented by Dave Corvoisier. Academic institutions and scholars play a critical role in the development of a unique and substantive professional science and disciplinary literature. Individual and environmental characteristics influence the scholarly work of higher education faculty generally, but little is known about factors that influence scholarly productivity of physical therapist faculty members. The purpose of this study was to identify the factors that contribute to the variability in scholarly productivity among faculty members in physical therapist education programs. A cross-sectional study design was used. The researchers conducted a survey of a representative sample of faculty members in accredited professional physical therapist education programs in the United States. Descriptive analysis was conducted and five blocked Hierarchical regression models were constructed to identify factors that help explain variability in grantsmanship, peer-reviewed publications, and peer-reviewed presentations. A usable response rate of 58% was obtained. The 520 participants displayed variability in scholarly productivity. The regression models explained half of the variance in career publishing productivity. The regression models explained 28% to 44% of the variance in productivity in presentations and grants. Career factors contributed most substantially to the explained variance. These career factors included discipline of highest degree, appointment status, and faculty rewards. Several phenomena unique to physical therapy were considered in light of these findings. All of the following may influence physical therapy faculty scholarship. The multidisciplinary nature of the faculty, national trends in faculty hiring and appointment, and the status of the DPT-trained faculty cohort. Unidentified errors in sampling or reporting may limit the results of this study. 
career factors generally predict the largest proportion of explained variance in scholarly productivity. Large numbers of questions remain regarding the status of scholarship and scholars in physical therapy. An invited commentary to this article by Dr. Leslie Portney and an author response appear both in print and online. The faculty survey questionnaire used in this study also can be found online at www.ptjournal.org. Dr. Regina Kaufman is Associate Professor of Physical Therapy at Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts. Next, a qualitative application of the diffusion of innovations theory to examine determinants of guideline adherence among physical therapists by Dr. Yaneke Hartin, Gert Horotin, Stephen Horotin, and Dr. Steph Kremers. Evidence-based practice has become a major issue in physical therapy. However, many evidence-based guidelines are not used extensively after dissemination, and interventions aimed at increasing guideline adherence often have limited effects. As a prerequisite for changing this situation, the aims of this study were to gain an in-depth understanding of the determinants of guideline adherence among physical therapists in the Netherlands and to evaluate the opportunities of a theoretical framework in this respect. This observational study consisted of three focus group interviews of 12, 10, and 8 physical therapists that were conducted between November 2002 and January 2003. Physical therapists were asked to discuss their opinions about and experiences with the Dutch guidelines for low back pain. Data were analyzed qualitatively using a directed approach to content analysis. Both the interview route and the analysis of the interviews were informed by Rogers' diffusion of innovations theory. The study yielded in-depth insights into the various determinants of guideline adherence. Overall, the participants had rather unfavorable opinions about issues related to the dissemination of the guidelines, which is the first phase of the diffusion process, and they provided relatively little information on the subsequent adoption process, which is the second phase of the diffusion process. The theoretical framework appeared to be a useful tool to properly structure the focus group interviews, to systematically analyze the data collected, and to determine that supplementary interviews would be necessary to cover the entire diffusion process. The findings indicated that the diffusion process of guidelines among physical therapists was not yet completed. The use of theory can provide added value to guideline implementation studies. An outline of the complete focus group interview is available at www.ptjournal.org. Lead author Dr. Yaneke Hartin is postdoctoral researcher at IQ Healthcare at University Medical Center St. Rodbout in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, and postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Social Medicine at Amsterdam Medical Center in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Next, factors that influence the clinical decision-making of physical therapists in choosing a balance assessment approach. By Dr. Patricia McGinnis, Dr. Larita Hack, Dr. Kim Nixon-Cave, and Dr. Susan Miklovitz. Many methods for examining patients with balance deficits are supported by the literature. How or why therapists choose specific balance assessment methods during examination of patients remains unclear. The aims of this study were, one, to explore decision-making during examination of patients with balance deficits. Two, to understand the selection and use of assessment methods from the clinician's perspective.
and 3. To explore why specific methods were selected. A qualitative design using a grounded theory approach permitted exploration of clinical decision-making. 11 therapists, 6 from outpatient offices and 5 from inpatient rehabilitation settings were purposefully selected to participate in repeated interviews. Credibility of the findings was established through low-inference data, member check, and triangulation among participants and multiple data sources. A highly individualized approach to patient examination based on therapists' practical knowledge emerged from the data with limited influence of the literature. Movement observation was the primary assessment and diagnostic tool. When selecting assessment approaches for specific patients, the perceived value of information gathered mattered more than testing time. A three-stage model of assessment decision-making portrayed both the process and reasons influencing therapists' choices. In the context of the complex and busy nature of clinical practice, therapists gathered data that they considered meaningful during patient examination. The findings provide insight into factors influencing assessment decisions and suggest mechanisms to foster translation of research into clinical practice. Lead author Dr. Patricia McGinnis is Associate Professor of Physical Therapy at Richard Stockton College of New Jersey in Pomona, New Jersey. Our two case reports this month inspired the PTJ podcast discussion entitled Screening for Medical Problems and Complications. Where do we go from here? The author of this first case report, Dr. William Van Wy, is joined by two noted experts on the topic of differential diagnosis and screening, Dr. William Boysenault and Ms. Catherine Goodman. To listen, go to www.ptjournal.org and click on the podcasts link. Or go to the iTunes store and search for PTJ. Our first case report is Patient Screening by a Physical Therapist for Non-Musculoskeletal Hip Pain by Dr. William Van Wy. Mechanical hip pain and disease-based hip pain can have similar signs and symptoms, thereby presenting a differential diagnostic challenge for clinicians. Hip pain is a common complaint addressed by physical therapists. Therefore, it would be advantageous for them to be knowledgeable about differential diagnosis for hip pain so that they can screen for possible serious conditions that are outside the realm of physical therapist practice and make the appropriate referral. A 77-year-old man was referred for physical therapy by his primary care physician with the diagnoses of osteoarthritis in the lumbar spine and left hip and possible trochanteric bursitis. After the examination, the physical therapist determined that the patient should return to his primary care physician for further testing. Findings leading to this conclusion were pain severity out of proportion to the reported injury, the presence of night pain, a positive sign of the buttock, and empty end feels of all hip joint motions, which represented a non-capsular pattern of joint restriction. The patient was diagnosed later with primary lung adenocarcinoma with widespread metastases. A computerized tomography scan of the left hip revealed a metastatic lesion at the left proximal femur. 
physical therapist's ability to adequately screen for conditions requiring examination by a physician can lead to a more timely diagnosis of serious medical conditions. Investigators have found published descriptions of end feels, capsular versus non-capsular patterns of restriction, and the sign of the buttock to be beneficial screening tools for use in people with pain in the hip, pelvis, or lumbar spine. Dr. William Van Wy is staff physical therapist in physical medicine and rehabilitation services at the Richard L. Raudebusch Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dr. Van Wy is a featured guest in this month's PTJ podcast discussion. Next, suspected statin-induced respiratory muscle myopathy during long-term inspiratory muscle training in a patient with diaphragmatic paralysis. By Kin Chatham, Dr. Colin Gelder, Thomas Lines, and Dr. Lawrence Cahalan. Abnormal lipids are associated with the development of coronary heart disease. For this reason, lipid-lowering agents have become a standard of care. The purposes of this case report are, one, to highlight the association of impaired inspiratory muscle performance with statin therapy, and two, to describe potentially useful methods of examining and treating people with known or suspected statin-induced skeletal myopathies. The patient had breathlessness on exertion and a restrictive lung disorder from a right hemidiaphragmatic paralysis for which he was prescribed high-intensity inspiratory muscle training, or IMT. He had a secondary diagnosis of hyperlipidemia, which was treated with 40 milligrams of simvastatin after five and a half months of IMT. The improvements in inspiratory muscle performance... Symptoms and functional status obtained from almost six months of high-intensity IMT were lost after the commencement of simvastatin. However, three weeks after termination of simvastatin combined with high-intensity IMT, the patient's inspiratory muscle performance, symptoms, and functional status exceeded pre-statin levels. This case report suggests that high-intensity IMT can be used effectively in a patient with impaired diaphragmatic function and during recovery from a respiratory statin-induced skeletal myopathy. The marked reduction in inspiratory muscle performance and inability to perform IMT resolved with the cessation of statin therapy. The case report also highlights the potential effects of statin-induced skeletal myopathies in all skeletal muscle groups. The clinical implications of this case report include the potential role of physical therapy in monitoring and possibly facilitating the spontaneous recovery of a statin-induced skeletal myopathy, as well as the need to investigate the inspiratory muscle performance of a person with dyspnea and fatigue who is taking a statin. A video clip showing a person performing high-intensity inspiratory muscle training is available at www.ptjournal.org. Lead author Ken Chatham is clinical specialist physiotherapist in the physiotherapy department at Landoc Hospital in Cardiff, United Kingdom. Movement Variability and the Use of Nonlinear Tools Principles to Guide Physical Therapist Practice by Regina Harborn and Dr. Nicholas Sturgio. 
fields studying movement generation, including robotics, psychology, cognitive science, and neuroscience, utilize concepts and tools related to the pervasiveness of variability in biological systems. The concepts of variability and complexity and the nonlinear tools used to measure these concepts open new vistas for physical therapists to practice and research in movement dysfunction of all types. Because mounting evidence supports the necessity of variability for health and functional movement, this perspective article argues for changes in the way that therapists view variability, both in theory and in action. By providing clinical examples, as well as applying existing knowledge about complex systems, the aim of this article is to create a springboard for new directions in physical therapist research and practice. An invited commentary to this article by Dr. Daniela Corbetta and an author response appear both in print and online. Lead author Regina Harborn is assistant professor in the physical therapy department of the Monroe Meyer Institute at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Last this month, a framework for assessment in oncology rehabilitation by Dr. Laura Gilchrist, Dr. Mary Lou Galantino, Dr. Meredith Wampler, Dr. Victoria Marchese, Dr. G. Stephen Morris, and Dr. Kirsten Ness. Although the incidence of cancer in the United States is high, improvements in early diagnosis and treatment have significantly increased survival rates in recent years. Many survivors of cancer experience lasting adverse effects caused by either their disease or its treatment. Physical therapy interventions, both established and new, often can reverse or ameliorate the impairments, the body function and structure dimension found in these patients improving their ability to carry out daily tasks and actions, the activity dimension, and to participate in life situations, the participation dimension. Measuring the efficacy of physical therapy interventions in each of these dimensions is challenging, but essential, for developing and delivering optimal care for these patients. This article describes the acute and long-term effects of cancer and its treatment and the use of the World Health Organization's International Classification of Functioning, Disability, and Health as a basis for selection of assessment or outcome tools and diagnostic or screening tools in this population. Lead author Dr. Laura Gilchrist is Associate Professor in the Doctor of Physical Therapy Program at the College of St. Catherine and Clinical Research Scientist at the Children's Hospitals and Clinics of Minnesota, both in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thanks for listening. This is a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. We always appreciate your feedback. You can email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825.